Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Welcome, everyone. Hi, it's guys. so good to be with you. I'm Michael. And I'm Diane Brudier. And uh, we are leading the uh, leadersalliance.org. And uh, we're so excited to have you joining us for this particular call. We have an amazing guest online, and we'll introduce him in just a moment. But before we do, we just want to share a little bit about who we are and what we're up to. Yeah, we're, uh, uh, we're developing a global community called Leaders Alliance. We just in you to join us and um, we're people from all over the world across denominational lines across business lines um, only two percent of the world does ministry in a church but we're all called to full-time ministry and live out loud for God so we're in the process of trying to equip and link the body of Christ in order to fuel one another that the best of what we have can strengthen people around the world. We'd like to become a Christian LinkedIn. Yeah, so in that process, what we're trying to do is create a place for you to shine, a place for your platform to be seen, for the gifts that you have, the resources that you're developing, to also be connected to other people and to draw them in. And so we encourage you, check us out. Every first Wednesday of the of the month, we have an open house. You're welcome to join us for free and check out one of our great speakers that we have coming on. And then uh, obviously, if you like what we're doing, you're welcome to join as a member and become part Part of leadersalliance.org. So yeah, pr problem you. with um, ministries and and leaders around the world. A lot of times we feel like we have to reinvent the wheel. We don't know why we're not hitting the mark. We don't know why what we're doing wrong or why we're not being successful. We have sincere hearts and we're giving it all we have. We have all kinds of. We have like 500 videos. We have online assessments, we have teachings, as well as weekly live broadcasts where you can get on and interact with questions and answers and also get prayer for personal needs on a different day and also have breakout sessions for your own um, forte if you are into church leadership or if you're into thought leadership, if you're in the business community, if you want to be equipped in prayer and prophecy, there's others too, young young leader young emerging leaders um there's a lot of things where you can get involved face to face with people and not just be kind of spoon-fed uh information excellent so now we get to introduce our amazing <laughs> guest andy bird Andy Hello. is a YWAM missionary for 24 years. He has an amazing life story of how the Lord led him into the mission field. But in recent years, he's taken on key leadership with an amazing movement called The Send. And he'll share some more about that. But literally, they've mobilized hundreds of thousands of young people in a, in a few different settings to be able to go out and share the gospel, both as short-term, long-term missionaries and evangelists in the world around them. And so we're super excited to have you on, Andy. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Sweetheart, we love you so much. One of the things I love about you is for 20 years, you've been living out loud for God. You live in community. You have a big family. You've adopted. Um, you've gone to all the corners of the earth. Like, you know, you have so much adventure in your soul. 
And um, I just think people are looking for adventure. They're looking to get outside the walls of their church and find the raw God, which you just talked about recently <laughs> on Leaders Alliance. But uh, we just, we want to hear your story, good brother. Oh, thank you. No, it's such a joy to be with you guys. Um, we've had some fun moments together mm -hmm. at uh, Azusa Now. And of course, you guys have been to some of these SEND events. And we've had the privilege of sitting here together in Kona as well and kind of sharing yes. stories. And so it's a real honor to be with you guys and get to share with uh, different leaders that are going to watch this uh, now and later. And so um, just, you know, briefly, maybe just jumping in, kind of sharing a little bit of my story. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll just, you know, we'll go from there is uh, I, uh, I, I was born in a kind of remote uh, Christian community in the woods of Northeastern Washington, radical community that was really based on trying to live the word of God and really was phenomenal for about, you know, 10, 12 years. And, uh, and yet it was also very isolated and quite removed from society. And so after about eight or, or about 10 or 12 years, most of the families began to move out because we were getting to the age where we needed to go to school. And um, the community had kind of been based a little bit as well on uh, the idea that economies of the world were about to collapse, but instead they were actually getting better. And this, you know, economy of America was booming. And so we all left that and we moved to remote Alaska. And I would say um, this was for me was like spiritual whiplash and physically as well. We went from, you know, beautiful Northeastern Washington to remote, not a single tree on the island, uh, uh, Adak out near Russia in the end of the Aleutian or, you know, two thirds of the way through the Aleutian Island chain. Wild. And spiritually, we went from radical Christian community that was gathering almost on a daily basis to teach the word and, and worship together to kind of a military sponsored Protestant church that, um, you know, just didn't, didn't have a lot of life on it. And so my, my formative years were mostly spent then in Alaska, eventually we moved to mainland Alaska and I uh, spent the rest of my junior high and high school years there in a small, beautiful, small uh, little fishing town called Homer. And uh, I would say that most of my life, I, I never was really around, um, especially people my own age that were really vibrant in their faith. And I just, I just didn't see a lot of young people that were radically pursuing God and uh, grateful that I was around an older generation that was very faithful in their devotion to God. And that's definitely what kept me from going off the rails. But uh, it wasn't until I was 18, I, I left Alaska and went to do this school called the Discipleship Training School with Youth with a Mission. And I didn't know a lot about it, but it was in Hawaii, uh, the one that I went to. That sounded great. I was ready to get out of Alaska. Traveling sounded fun. But um, really, this experience like turned my whole life on its head. And I went from very lukewarm and passive and complacent and honestly quite religious, just kind of doing the Sunday morning thing to uh, the only way I could describe it is like, I felt like I got hit with the gift of hunger. Mm -hmm. And I had this kind of life changing encounter on a Friday night of that first week of my discipleship training school. And it changed everything for me. 
And um, I, I was riddled with fears and insecurities. My greatest fear in all of life was public speaking before this. And um, I didn't necessarily get free of all those fears in that one encounter or all of a sudden become confident and secure or mature. But what really did change was that I got hungry. And I got hungry for raw God. I got hungry to experience and encounter a God who is real, tangible, powerful, um, who is near, who is present in our lives. And it changed everything for me. And uh, I, I thought it would be just kind of a six month, you know, pre life changing experience. And then maybe I would kind of get some direction on what I wanted to study and a uh, career. And uh, that was 24 years ago. So I, I guess I did find my career. And I guess I did find what I wanted to eventually study and uh, to do with the rest of my life. And so my I met my wife in that that same time at 18. Uh, we ended up being on the same uh, outreach experience to Cambodia for three months. We wow. grew in as incredible friends. Then we were asked to co-lead a couple outreaches to Cambodia and the Philippines. And essentially, I was like, this girl is my best friend. And I always dreamt of marrying my best friend. So yeah. why don't I do that? So on our first real date, um, I proposed. And wow. uh, we got engaged at 19, got married at 20 have been married for 21 years, have worked together in YWAM for about 24 years, 23, 24 years. And uh, honestly, it's just been the most incredible privilege uh, to just spend our lives pouring into young people and pouring into the nations. And along that journey, we ended up having four biological children and adopting two children out of foster care. So we've got a massive uh, family and uh, it's, uh, it's more like a traveling circus, but it is so much fun and I wouldn't have it any other way. And my kids are just incredible. They're just on fire for God. And uh, they range from 17 down to a couple nine-year-olds. One adopted, one biological, but they're a month apart. So they kind of function like twins. And uh, wow. it's just been amazing. It's been an incredible journey. We've loved what we've gotten to do the last uh, 20 plus years. And um on that journey, kind of last part of the story here, and then we can jump into dialogue on it, is um, we, you know, really were focused on the nations. I mean, really gripped. We were ready to move. We were going to move to either Nepal or Cambodia or uh, Turkey. I mean, we had a couple places on our radar, but wow. just ready to go and, and give our lives to those who have never heard the gospel before, the least reached. And uh, in, in that process, around that time, this has been about 2010, 2011, God began to grip us for uh, the Western world again. I would say I'd grown a little cynical and, um, and I, I needed uh, kind of a tenderizing. I needed God's heart. And through a very profound encounter to one of our main leaders here, um, God began to direct a, a huge area of our passion and our faith towards believing for a real spiritual awakening in America and in the Western world, Europe as well. And these regions that historically had, had Christian movement, but now could be considered, you know, lukewarm or maybe a little burnt over at times. And God began to grip us with faith that there was another spiritual awakening coming to America and another massive missions movement to the nations of the earth. And we were already quite globally focused but now God was adding America to that focus. Mm. And that journey led us into deep friendship with a man named Lou Engel and the ministry of the call. 
which of course they've been filling stadiums in America really since the year 2000, large scale gatherings. Many of my peers were deeply impacted by the message that Lou carried and the message of the call. And through a series of uh, pretty profound encounters and some seasons of prayer, God began to speak to all of us about the call transitioning to a sending movement. It was uh, the sentence was one of the sentences was that the call had gone out and many had responded, but now it was time to send. And uh, that it would still be large scale gatherings and, and stadium gatherings, but, uh, but now filled with acclamation, signs, wonders, and miracles, and that a massive sending movement would result from these wow. gatherings. Yeah, it was incredible. And honestly, none of us really knew what to do with these words. When we first got them, it felt impossible. And so it's just baby steps of simple obedience over a number of years that led to one of Lou's last major gatherings called Azusa Now, which also kind of became a transition gathering where the Mm. message of missions was preached alongside the message of repentance and, and revival. And and, uh, you know, some of the core messages Lou had been carrying for so many years, all of a sudden was added the core message of, of reaching the unreached and evangelism and, and missions. It was powerful. And it was really essentially from there that the send was launched. And our first gathering was in Orlando in 2019 that was officially called the send with Lou. It was really a part of his, it is a part of his legacy. And uh, a number of other ministries joined in with us and formed a collaboration of ministries. And Orlando was phenomenal. It was beyond what we could have hoped for, which led to Brazil, which went from one stadium to three stadiums because of the hunger of the Brazilians. It was just stunning. 140,000 Brazilians filled those three on stadiums. On the same day, three stadiums. On the same on the day. day. Oh, it, was, it was an administrative nightmare and yeah. yet it was glorious <laughs> in the kingdom it was so incredible what god did all three stadiums simultaneously going on the same day and uh out of that um over a hundred thousand missional commitments were made that day wow. um on, on like a real app where they really clicked like i'm gonna reach my high school or i'm gonna start a christian club on my university or i'm gonna adopt children or i'm gonna go to the nations and And it was just profound what God did. And of course, we've been in a a two-year pause because of the global shutdowns and the inability to gather. And now we are ready to roll again. So we are headed towards uh, Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City in just five weeks. And then um, uh, Oslo, Norway in June and Buenos Aires, Argentina in October. And just full of faith in our hearts that in the crisis that we see going on around us, that God has an incredible solution, that the church was made for crisis. The church was birthed in crisis. Mm -hmm. And that in many ways, the church is its weakest when life is easy and the environment is safe. We, We struggle to keep our edge. But in crisis is when the church is reminded what it really is. And we're reminded how pertinent the gospel message is to life in these crisis moments. And so I feel that the the crisis around us, which is at every level from geopolitical crisis to economic crisis to moral crisis to family crisis, that in every level, the gospel has an answer. And Mm -hmm. the church, we are waking up to the reality that 
that God being our only hope is not just a statement of desperation. It's, yes. it's reality. It was Absolutely. reality before the crisis. We just tend to lose sight of it until the crisis. Yes. And so we are coming back to the only hope, which is really good hope. It's not a statement of desperation. Yeah. Yes. It's a statement of confidence that the only hope is the gospel message. The only Amen. hope is the life of Christ in an individual and in society. And so I feel we're in an amazing moment, even though there's crisis all around us. And the send is just postured as one of many movements to help activate and revitalize the beautiful bride into its calling to walk in the great commission. So that's what we're going after. We're so excited about it. That's so good, Andy. You know, we have so much to talk about, but before we do, maybe you could, um, let people know how to get to Kansas City, um, what links you have available, where the information is so that people can come and even the other, um, the other countries that you're doing sends in. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested in any of this and finding out more information, the send.org is our main website. And that's going to right now be strongly pushing towards Kansas City since it's what's right in front of us. And you can register there. It's a free event. Um, and then uh, for Oslo and for Buenos Aires, um, same deal. If someone were just to Google the send uh, Oslo or the send Buenos Aires, they're going to find those. And then all three have Instagram channels. Uh, the send Argentina, the send Norway and the send.org. So Instagram, Facebook and website would be the best way. And all of them can be registered for all of them are going to be phenomenal. So please join us. Uh, we're yeah. truly believing these are going to be life changing encounters. Absolutely. Michael and I will definitely be there. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Um, well, let's back up a little bit. I want to hear a little bit more about the YWAM uh, part of your life. Because you've been obviously many, many decades in Youth with a Mission. It's one of the most outstanding missionary organizations in the history of the church. You know, uh, Diane was actually part of YWAM when she was young. Yep. And uh, was in John Dawson's uh, first school in Sunland, Lake Viterra. Wow. You know. Yes, I was a DTS and SOE girl before I met Michael at 20 years old. Wow. Our stories are very similar. This guy asked me to marry him after two weeks, <laughs> where I um suggested Smart he talk to my, where I suggested he talk to my elders. And you know, because we were a part of the young discipleship hippie movement, they cautioned us to wait. So we waited a long three months and were married at six months in. <laughs> From knowing each other. So From that was <laughs> the, the three month wait. <laughs> but but one of the things that I'm hearing you you talk about, you said that, and it in relationship to your YWAM years, um two percent you said recently on Leaders Alliance broadcast, uh two percent of young people even know what the Great Commission is, if I have got that correct. But you said that 50% of young people, when asked, would consider going into missions. And I know from my perspective, um, in as a young teenager, I was a part of Dilleron Ministries at 17, that got these people got saved all around the world. And I had a hunger for adventure. I had a hunger for God and it all converged. Like young wow. people, young people want to give their lives, their whole lives, their whole beings to something. And you came to that um, experience in YWAM 
And I think that it's something that's calling out to young people, even people that are already young people that are already believers, and they think that Christianity is going to church on Sunday, and they don't know how like that God can be exciting, this raw God. Let's hear you talk about those things all together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And feel free to direct me, guys, as, yes. as we talk through this. But I think um you know, Michael, you you mentioned even a little bit of what we do with YWAM and then how it relates to some of these things. And, you know, why I, I do feel so honored to be a part of this tribe. And it, um, you know, it's not perfect like any ministry or organization, but um, really has been 60, over 60 years now and essentially really helped to do for missions and 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 global missions and evangelism what Uber did for say the the rental car industry or <laughs> what air what airbnb did to the hotel industry You're right. is it is it deregulated and no. essentially said hey everyone can play like this everyone's got a car then you could be a taxi that's you awesome. could be a rental car you you've got a bedroom then you can be a hotel and lauren <laughs> went like you have a voice then you can be a missionary yeah and wow. it was the d it was the deregulation of missions that to say like, hey, you're from a traditional missions receiving nation, that's fine, but you read the same Bible I read. So the Great Commission applies to you as well. So you're a missionary if you're a follower of Jesus um, to kids being able to be missionaries to in many cultures, women fully being empowered to be missionaries. Um, it was an empowerment movement to yeah. deregulate what so many had considered impossible. And I think that that's a significant part of where we are and what's happening right mm -hmm. now as well, is God is wanting to further deregulate what we have referred to as ministry or the great yeah. commission and, and not to people with titles and the right seminary degree and the right position at church or a salary from a church, but right. that every person would find their place on the yeah. wall on. of the kingdom and feel the value and the dignity that they are a kingdom contributor to the greatest hour of human history Amen. to see the great commission go to lengths that has never gone to before for in all of history. And wow. I think that that's been the driving force behind Youth with a Mission for the last 60 years, and that it's been a voice in the body of Christ to deregulate the kingdom and go, no, 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 everybody hears the voice of God. Everybody walks in the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody that's can do so evangelism good. and discipleship. Everybody can be a missionary, you know? And that is something wow. we're passionate about. And I think the sand has very much picked up on that same passion mm -hmm. and gone, we want to do this at a mass scale and a broad level. How many families are sitting at home at night feeling disempowered to right. walk in their missional purpose and God-given calling? How many uh, couples that are empty nesters now are going like, well, what do I really do? And yet their home is literally probably America's solution for the foster crisis that we're in right wow. now. It's probably the home yeah. of empty nesters. Wow. And, and, and so the mission of the sand and what YWAM has carried for so many years, how do we deregulate this thing where the enemy has worked overtime to disempower believers? We've got to work overtime to empower the church to be able to walk in its God-given missional calling. And I think that's a big part of what we believe for YWAM. And a big part of what we're believing for in the sand, as you were saying, Diane, um, so few actually even know what the Great Commission is today. Very few. 
And yet the statistically um, over 50% of Gen Z when asked if they would be vocational missionaries said, yeah, sign me up. I'd be willing to do that. And so you have a kind of biblically illiterate understanding of the mission of the church through not, through not much teaching or understanding on the great commission and yet an eager and willing generation to go, which to me is like, this is a perfect storm. If we yeah, can just simply totally help, right? Empower and train and equip and inject love for the scriptures in the heart of this next generation, then we could see the greatest hour of missions and evangelism that we've ever seen in history. Mm. So good. Well, actually, uh, in our previous call, you talked a little bit about the great commandment, great commission dynamic. Why don't you yeah. share a little bit about that for the for the podcast viewers? Yeah, well, I think, you know, my journey and it was I wouldn't have had this language early on. But when I when I first, you know, had my this life changing experience at 18 years old from a very apathetic and lukewarm background, my my whole life change was not necessarily around the Great Commission. It was around the Great Commandment. It was the revelation of the love of God and that Mm. I could actually love him wholeheartedly. That Mm. love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength was not a torture. It was not an impossible command (laughs) that I would spend the rest of my life trying to obey. That it was delight and it was privilege Mm. and it was glory and it all came from the revelation of his love. So for me, I cut my teeth on this of uh, this Psalm 27, you know, for one thing I have asked, this is what I desire that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gaze upon his beauty and seek him in his temple. And then it was from that revelation of love that like, I couldn't not do something about the gospel. So my life as a missionary was flowing out of this reservoir of mm. his love and his kindness and intimacy and his nearness and his presence. And so it was later on, years later, that as I looked back and went, my gosh, it was the great commandment that led to the emphasis of the great commission in my own life and have watched over the years as thousands of young people have been lit up by the revelation of a raw God who is full of love for his people and the ability to love him back that led to a great commission activation. And so I think, again, these are central. We, we don't want to come to a generation and just be like, it's about obedience. Where are you going? Get out there and share the gospel. You know, or you're pathetic. Do you know the stats about evangelism? <laughs> you know, that's never going to work. And at the same time, we don't want to leave people in this thought that you can just love God and not do something about it in obedience. And so it really is the scriptures of bringing together the great commandment and the great commission that we see from Genesis to Revelation and all through history that I think are the key to activation and to the great harvest that we're all believing for in this generation. That's so good. Yeah, I have a question for you. You know, um, the mindset, if 2% of kids in the church have heard the Great Commission or haven't heard the Great Commission, don't understand it, what about people outside the church? There's a whole generation that have been skewed in their minds about what family is, about what life is, about what the world is. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of deception. What are you guys feeling, both within Youth with a Mission and in the sin? Like, what what is a strategy for the lost in our own culture in America, but for all of young people abroad? 
Yeah, it's a, this is a question I think the whole church is asking right now. Yeah. Of course, I'll, I'll only have, you know, a little bit of perspective on this, but I think the, the perspective piece, piece I've been grappling with recently is, um, is this, that I think too often we are living in reaction to the culture and the society that we live in. And rather, I think that we're called to walk in relevant action versus just reaction. And mm -hmm. by relevant, I don't mean relevance in the watered down sense. I mean, relevant in that it, it, is, it is the gospel of the kingdom to this generation. Yeah. But it's not reactionary to culture. It is action based on obedience to the scripture that is relevant to this generation and to the hour that we live in. And I feel in many ways that we are going to be recovering some of what the early church really walked in and that some of this end of the story is going to be like the beginning of the story. And when I, I recently um, read some, did, did some as part of my master's course, um, had to read a number of books relating to some of the early church. One of the things, here's the one perspective piece I'll give on this is that the early church, there's quite a bit of evidence historically and even sociologically that the early church didn't necessarily do much mass evangelism and that the growth wasn't unexplainably supernatural. In other words, where you're just like, it just grew. Like it's just, it was a supernatural, right. there's lots of supernatural power, but I just mean supernatural growth. There is a lot of sociological and historical evidence that the church growth made sense. It was, it was, you could, you could, uh, there was stats related to it. It was measurable. Mm -hmm. And what they, what has been found, this was Dr. Rodney Stark that did a lot of this research was that the church grew 40% every 10 years for 300 mm -hmm. years. And wow. he writes at length as to why he thinks it happened. One of the things I think that's important for us to recover is he essentially comes with away with a conclusion that when Christians live, like Christians were meant to live, Christianity can't not grow. Wow. It's like the, the Christian ethic was meant to grow the followers of Jesus. Wow. For instance, there were two major pandemics in the first 300 years of Christianity, of the church. One they think was a smallpox outbreak in the like 165. The other was in like 240 something and they think it was measles and both of them wreaked havoc on society. They both wow. lasted over 10 years and, and, wow. and wiped out huge parts of the population. But through both pandemics, the church grew and wow. the church grew because of living the Christian ethic. The world, when, when the pagans, uh, someone got sick, they, they abandoned their homes and they left the sick to die. They were so afraid that they were going to get sick and nobody understood how these diseases were traveling, that they abandoned the sick. And because of it, more people died because they had no basic health care. And because of it, those that did recover went like the only people that took care of me were the Christians. The Christians stayed in the cities. Wow. They ran to the sick instead of away from the sick. They gave basic love and health care to the sick. And because of the Christian ethic, the church accelerated through the pandemics hmm. versus you know, uh, diminished through the pandemic. I think we've got to recover basic godly Christian character and the Christian lifestyle lived in obedience to the scriptures as one of the most vibrant forces today versus like reacting, going like, oh, the world's doing this. I guess we got to react and we got to do this. 
and we end up being more known more for what we're against than what we're for because we're reacting. In other words, we're anti this because we're reacting to what culture is doing. We're anti this because we're reacting to what society is doing. We're anti this because of a law that was just passed. Instead of just going, no, 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 24-7, no matter what society is doing, we are relevant and in action living obedience to the scriptures. And it will always lead to growth, breakthrough, harvest, life, but it's not reaction. It's just obedience, relevant action to the scriptures, wow. relevant action in the hour that we live in. And I think we will see a major harvest by the church simply living like the church. That's probably a longer answer than you were hoping. No, that's no, so, good, that's so good. Well, Diane and I just had, had a real highlight in our lives. We got to visit Ephesus in oh, Turkey last wow. week. Last Come week. On. And I got to preach the first few uh, verses of, of Ephesians chapter one at wow. the amphitheater, which was oh, so I've been to that amphitheater. Oh, I've man. sat in that amphitheater. It's astounding, isn't it? It is astounding. But just the testimony of what took place there in the combination of what you're talking about. Yeah. That there was the relevance of the the essential gospel, but preached at that moment. And literally it says in scripture that everyone in all of Asia, which is Turkey, heard the gospel. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. It blows my mind Unbelievable. out of the and, uh, and so how do you see, because you're, I mean, your passion is mobilization. You're moving people into the mission field. How do you see the steps of mobilization taking place at this time? What do you think are the prerequisites? What do you think are the dynamics that need to be in place? Yeah, good question. I, I would say maybe two things. And I think there's, again, there's so many things, but I, I'm going to go back to this again, is I think we have got to equip and give this generation a passion for the scriptures. I think it is the, the key, the Absolutely. key, I believe, is that we would refound a generation on, the, on a love for the truth and the authority of the word of God, especially with all the deconstruction going on, um, with all the assault on the scriptures. And it's only going to increase. We are going to be increasingly mocked for believing this book. And, yeah. uh, and yet if we will stand on the truth and the love of the word of God, it will be the only way we stand the trials, the testing of a circumstances coming in front of us. So mobilization to me is based and founded first and foremost on the strength of the word of God. But secondly, I think we've got to give giant permission slips to the, mm -hmm. to the belie to believers, to the church. Again, many feeling sidelined. And they just need to be told that they have a part to play in the kingdom. And it's not just being an usher in church. It's not just volunteering at Sunday school, which is great that we need all of that. And I'm not mocking that. I love that. I love the church. We are the church. We are part of the church. But there is so much more for every believer in terms of their great commission assignment. And we need to give permission slips to people in every generation that they have a missional calling, a missional assignment. Every background, social economic background, every ethnic background, every walk of life from teachers to builders to marketplace, small business, you know, to traditional missionaries, to moms that are raising godly children, yeah. that everyone gets a permission slip to walk out their missional calling and have the dignity of knowing they have a true vocation in the great commission right in front of them, right That's in the thing so that God good. has called them to. So I think we need the word of God 
and we need a massive movement of permission slips to the body of Christ. Yeah, so much of your life um, history and your passion resonates with us. It's kind of who we are in our DNA. Um, I think that for Michael preaching in uh, in Ephesus, Paul's words was because we're we've based our life on Ephesians four that there's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and they're not there to take the stage or get behind a pulpit. They're to equip others to do the work of the ministry, and that we all have a ministry within those gift mixes. And um, and I just think that we 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 all need something that's so compelling that makes us want to live out loud for it and die for it if need be. And wow. so many people, so many believers are bored and they're in stagnant, murky waters. They're not um, out of your most innermost being or flow ri rivers of living waters. There's, there's waters that have stagnated because we've lost the call of the Great Commission. And that's why Leaders Alliance was developed, is across denominational bounds across um, people in every sphere of society having a compelling voice and a calling. Like you said, mothers, people that go um, to an office every day, if they can have a larger yes. vision for their life, I mean, depression is a huge problem in our in our uh, country, antidepressants are, I think they say like 45, 55% of people are antidepressants. These are the foundational reasons why. And I think that um, we're, I mean, we're praying for revival, but we're going to be in Kansas City because it's one of the things that God's using to stir up people right now. Wow. Yes, we have, we have a couple more minutes, but I want to drill into a couple things right now, because yeah. obviously the word of God, number one, permission slips, number two, which I think is, is awesome just to tell people, mm -hmm. hey, what you have in just your experience of Christ can make a difference in the lives of others. Talk about a little bit about equipping and empowering. Okay. Mm. What's the need? What kind of uh, what kind of processes need to be in place to, in a sense, I, I hate to use the word qualify but to actually equip the saints for the work of the ministry, as Diane just quoted. Yeah. How do you see that happening on different levels and how does the sin participate in that? Yeah, yeah just yeah. the average person watching right now, how, how can they transform their lives? Mm -hmm. Yeah, such a great question. And again, I have just a limited perspective, but I'm happy to share it is I think, um, you know, uh, a big a big part of this is the recovery of basic discipleship as the Ooh. fabric of the church yeah. and um you know we're we're kind of in the west especially we're we're pretty quick to develop um programs yeah. and there's that's not all negative there's some of the most life i mean look at like alpha i mean that that program yeah. has led to millions of salvations sure and yet the the very um, foundation of Alpha is it is a disciple making movement. And I think that the recovery of basic discipleship in the fabric of the church, and not all, many are doing it, and yet some aren't, um, is so essential to the mobilization that is necessary. I think I shared in the, the first call that today 4% of Gen Z 
holds a biblical worldview. But, mm. you know, we think, and that's really abysmal, but boomers, only 10% hold a biblical worldview. So it's not like, wow. you know, we've gone from 10% in boomers, to, I think it was 7% in, in uh, Gen Xers, down to 6% in millennials, yeah. and now 4% in Gen Z. So, um, that, but that is abysmal, that 4% of Gen Z would hold a biblical worldview, holding on to a Judeo-Christian worldview, you could say. Yeah. So yeah. the need for equipping is massive. And yet I think we need a massive movement of disciple making. And that is part of the, of the mobilization and empowerment of every believer is that, again, there's nothing, there's, there's biblical precedent, historic precedent, and great benefit in the gathering together of the saints for biblical teaching and for worship and celebration and giving there is such that is a beautiful part of the kingdom and the ecosystem yeah. of the kingdom but that cannot replace um life on life discipleship Absolutely. it's impossible for a pastor of a church of 200 400 150 jesus had 12 to actually adequately make disciples and so we this is another reason we need every believer um, on the field is is in the place of disciple making, actually yeah. making disciples with our lives. So for us, you know, we've, we've lived in community, as Diane said, for most of our lives, we always have four young leaders living with us. And not everybody has that grace or even should do that, has the environment that that would work in. But for us, that's been one of the ways we walked that out is we just sold our home we had been in for 10 years. And we counted at the end of that, that we had had um, 57 people live with us in that oh, home. Man. Come on. And uh, over 21 of them had lived with us for over a year. And wow. so the, I, I think probably we'll look back and we'll go, we did a lot of things, but maybe the most effective thing we did was just let people see our marriage, our parenting and bring them into our lives. Mm -hmm. And again, not everyone's going to be called to that level of, you know, in your home, but every believer is called to discipleship and we desperately need that. So I think even part of the way that the send has postured itself is we want to be a, a champion to the local church want to be a blessing to the local church and want to help raise the water level of activation across the whole body of Christ, help do some of the heavy lifting that pastors and leaders are doing. And our goal would be is that because of the send, the water level of dis discipleship, evangelism and activation would raise across the whole body of Christ. And people that went into the send going like, man, this sounds fun and I'm going to worship would walk out going, I'm an evangelist, I'm a disciple maker, I'm a missionary, um, I, I'm a mom, so wh whose kids can I start discipling? <laughs> like, I'm in high school, yeah. which one of my friends need? do I need to start pouring into? That every Absolutely. believer would begin that journey. And I think that's the only way to do, to do it at a larger scale, is decentralized movement discipleship. And that's, that's desperately so what we need in this hour, is, is well, that level of grassroots. Well, you know, what's so interesting, too, is, you know, as the director of Pastors Coach, which is one of the ministries I oversee, that's my main job with pastors is to get them off of a stage centered ministry focus. Yes. And when I when I realized that my primary job description was Matthew 28, you know, the yeah. Great Commission, when I realized I realized, wait a minute, I need to actually submit every other priority to the priority of making disciples and training leaders that that becomes my central thing. And I ended up actually effectively putting half of my working time, 20 hours a week into leadership development 
as wow. the expression of that. And so when I, but when I talk to pastors, they have such a hard time with that. Like, wow, how could I do that? I mean, I, I spend 20 minutes, 20 hours on my message and then 15 hours organizing the Sunday service. But unfortunately, right. Jesus never said go into all the world and have a great Sunday service, you know? And so again, That's there it. has to be a, a reformation. I believe a new reformation yes. in the body of Christ. If we're going to see the kind of thing you're talking about, where everyone yes. is a mentor, everyone has a mentor. Yes, we you know, need a reformation. Yes, multi generational discipleship, and you guys are at the cutting edge of that. I think what what the send is doing is it's actually, uh, in a sense, giving the the body of Christ a fresh paradigm. You know that that we can actually mobilize people well beyond. We don't have to accept the fact that oh, Gen Z is just going to be self-absorbed, or the millennials are always going to be you know walking out their own their own pain or whatever. No, they there is a call, and now there is a send. Yeah, and I'm so excited for you actually being at the cutting edge of that. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. That is so well said. Well, thank you for living out loud. Thank you for giving up your busy schedule and being with us oh. and the viewers. I know you have to go. Um, you, your time ha is up, but we just thank you for being here and for the impact you were, were, you're making. And we'll see you in five weeks. And as we close, could you just honor. pray for everybody that's listening yes. now, but also mm -hmm. listening in the future? And then we'll close yes. up our time. Thanks. Absolutely. Yes. Such an honor to be with you. And I just am so grateful you guys are doing this. I hope that this, what you're doing spreads across the body of Christ, pulling multi, you know, denominational people from different backgrounds and streams, equipping leaders. This is so needed in this hour of the body of Christ. So if you're watching this, tell your friends about it, share about it, spread the word on the Leaders Alliance and what's happening here. It is so necessary in this hour that we would be equipped inspired, encouraged, trained to really be effective. So really grateful for the time together, Michael and Diane, and just uh, all that you're doing for leaders in the body of Christ. It is so necessary. So I'd love to pray. Jesus, yeah. thank you for every leader watching this now and every leader that will in the future. I pray right now that by your spirit, you would touch their lives. I pray for a deep stirring of their hearts right now that right now, Holy Spirit, you would stir their hearts for both personal hunger, spiritual hunger, to know you more, to love you extravagantly, to be wholehearted in devotion, and at the same time, that they would feel a giant permission slip from the Holy Spirit to walk out the missional calling on their lives. God, would you deeply stir every heart right now? Would you just awaken, Lord, both love and activation at the same time? So I bless every viewer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And for everybody, please come to the send. It's going to blow your mind. Tell all your friends this is going to be revolutionary.